Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where ergonomics matter. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. I'm so comfortable. Good. Today, we're talking about home office setups, because it's still kind of pandemic time, and we've been working in our home offices, and we thought this would be kind of a nice companion piece to the other episodes we did about working from home. Yeah, especially when we've had people ask about them. Like, like, what do you work with? How do you actually deal with this? So it's a good time to really talk about what uh, what we feel is necessary to work from home. Well, not yeah. maybe necessary, but ideal for us, I suppose. Right. Because after you work from home for a while, like both of us have done, you find the things that matter and the things that don't matter as much. But then you realize yep. that there are a couple important things that like you want to get right, because otherwise you'll just be in pain or hurting yourself in the long mm-hmm. term. Yeah, for real. Like it is it, the the struggle is real when it comes to back pain. It is. It is. So we're going to run through kind of our setups here without diving too deep on any one thing. But if you have specific questions, you can always go to Slack or Discord or, you know, any of the Twitter, any of our places and ask us and we'll happily answer. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'll dive into mine. So um, I have a MacBook Pro as my laptop and that's like my main monitor, like right in front of me right now that I'm looking at. Um, oh, OK. So you actually use the laptop itself as your main thing. Like uh, I do. I'm assuming it's a 15 inch or is it a 17? Uh, it's 15. So, okay. uh, yeah, I really like having the laptop as the main monitor because then you never have to change your mode of thinking when you're in laptop mode. Like when I actually pick mm. it up to go to a meeting, which I'm doing all the time normally when I'm like in the office. Right. I don't have to reconfigure in my brain what is where on which screen. I just know that no matter what setup I'm on, my like laptop is like my main monitor for the things that I do on it, essentially. Okay, I understand that. Yep, so that's my main monitor, and then right to the right of it, I have one big monitor. So I know plenty of people that do, like, multiple monitor setups, or they do one that's horizontal and one that's vertical if they're a developer, or they do code a lot. Um, For me, I've found that I like having a second external monitor with my laptop, but I like just having one big one instead of multiple. That seems to work really well for me. So... I, my second one is a 27 inch and it's the Apple cinema display that they don't make anymore. And I love this monitor. It's like my favorite external monitor that I've ever had. I've never had one of the Apple hardware uh, monitors like that, but I've seen them and they're gorgeous that I remember when that one in particular was new. I saw it in an Apple store and I was just blown away at the quality of the image on it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, you know, like all of the extra stuff that they do on uh, basically like all of the Mac laptops for just like Mm -hmm. image quality and how many pixels per inch and all of that stuff. They do that on this monitor. So this is a ridiculous monitor they don't make anymore. And one of the reasons I haven't upgraded my laptop, even though I'm probably due soon, is because I would have to figure out how to work with this monitor because I don't want to switch to a different external. Like I love this cinema display. It's fantastic. Um, Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, so that's like one of the considerations I've had. Um, The other thing that's like key about these monitors and the setup here is that I have a laptop stand. And that's one of the things that I've found is, you know, one of those key things that you absolutely need if you're going to work on a laptop. Um, Because monitor placement, you want it at your natural eye level. If you don't, you are going to hurt your neck or your back. And you won't feel it right away, but you will hurt and it's going to suck because I've done that before and I, I promise it will happen. Now, just for me, I don't have a laptop stand. Like I work, I have a MacBook Pro 15 inch uh, on that I'm on right now, actually, as we record this. But I don't have a laptop stand because it's not my main computer. Like it's not the main one that I'm working on, like I thought it would be. And so I don't have a stand because it's one that I swivel to and do okay. something on and then go back. So, and 
and it is lower than my uh, my eye level. It's the only one that's actually lower. Like all of the other monitors I have are uh, eye level. This is the only one that actually isn't because I don't use it as the primary thing I'm doing day in and day out. When I do that, I stack it up on something because I don't have a stand. But uh, so it is at eye level. But I don't have a laptop stand just out of uh, space issues and uh, that it's not the number one thing. But if it is the number one thing you're doing, oh my god, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hardcore, yes. Well, and for any of your setups, this is with a laptop or without one or any monitor, like the trick to figuring out where your monitor should actually be and how high it should be is you put your feet flat on the ground and you face forward into wherever your main monitor is. So don't worry about the other monitor because you kind of just match it up, you know, roughly. But your main monitor, you face your main monitor and then close your eyes and just try to like relax all your shoulders and your body and sit up straight and then look straight ahead with your eyes still closed and then you open your eyes and whatever's right in front of your eyes that is where your monitor should be that's like the shortcut to figuring it out yeah you absolutely don't want to be like craning your neck up or down as your main focus during the day you may have a monitor higher up and lower down where you know you look at them as a secondary task but when you're doing this day in and day out you will hurt you will like get cramps in your neck. You're going to get uh, where your shoulders tense up from where it's trying to support your neck looking up or down and uh, you're pulling the muscles up. It is not a good thing. So just, like he said, just straight ahead is by far the best thing you can do. And if that means that you put shoe boxes underneath your uh, monitor for a little bit, do it. I have done that and textbooks and everything to mo- raise stuff up. Oh, yeah. We have plenty of people at work that like in the office, we have a lot of vendors that tend to send us catalogs that none of us use because we're all digital. And so people just take those catalogs and use those to like build up their monitors to be at the right height. It's funny because you look around our office and like uh, probably two thirds of the people have that instead of an actual stand. So whatever works for you to get it up higher. Um, And then so outside of like that kind of main setup, the other things that I have around here Um, I have a keyboard and mouse that are, you know, external. They're separate from the laptop, even though my laptop is driving this whole setup. Um, But these two just live here. They just stay here all the time at home. And then I have a matching set at work. So when I go between home and work, I have the exact same setup in both places. Um, So I have like a redundant set of, you know, mouse, keyboard, mouse pad, that kind of thing in both places. And I like having a really big mouse pad. I found that that actually helps ergonomics a lot because you don't feel like you're so constrained to where your mouse has to go um it gives your hand more like freedom of movement and just whenever i the first time i switched from a standard mouse pad size to a big mouse pad um i noticed that like my shoulder like tension just went down a lot so i've Hmm. always done that going forward is i have like a bigger than normal mouse pad I have not got the desk room to do that. Otherwise, I would totally be on board with that because I've used them just out and about when I've been on other ones, and they're really nice. I have my World of Warcraft Cataclysm Collector's Edition mouse pad, which actually is very annoying because of the desk setup I have. I'm constantly moving the mouse pad around. So uh, once I get a bigger desk, I will absolutely... uh, I'll absolutely do the uh, bigger mouse pad where I don't have to worry about it anymore because it's a pain. Yeah, and I don't have one of those gigantic ones that takes up your whole desk space. I know other people who do, and they like that a lot. But for me, I've always found that like um, the Steel Series, they have a really good size mouse pad. So I've just bought that over and over again. Um, it's bigger uh, than okay. typical, but it's kind of it's more horizontal than vertical too. Okay. So it's almost like a sixteen by nine, like you would see on a monitor, you know. So it yeah. it, it kind of has that yeah. general shape to it. Um, so I like that one a lot. And then um, 
I have a flat straight desk because I really don't like desks that curve or are corner desks or are L desks. Um, I've tried those over the years and I always end up doing something dumb without intending to. And, <laughs> and I, the like thing what? is, I'm curious because I, I can just see you like swiping stuff off of the desk when you turn around to the L or something. I'm, I'm it's not even like that. It's subtle. It's like, I will set up in a way that seems to be correct just based on like, okay, well, this curves around, so this should probably be here in the center and that should be there. And then a month or two later, I'm like, oh man, why does my neck hurt so bad? Or why is my back like bothering me? Or why does this part of my Um, arm feel so tense? And it's always been because of the curvature of the desk and the way that I end up adapting to it without realizing that I am. So it's nothing, it's nothing dumb, like in the moment, but it's this like long-term thing that affects you. So as soon as I moved over to, um, working on like the flat part of a desk, even ones at work, like I have an L desk at work and I just ignore the whole curve part and the whole like right side of it. And I just use the flat part because it's so much better for me ergonomically. Um, so at home, when I buy my own desks, I just do a flat straight desk with no curves to it. And I found that that works great for me specifically. So how with that, because I have an L desk and so I'm curious on, because even with the L desk, I don't have enough space that I don't have enough surface space on either of them to really get the stuff done that I need. And so I'm getting a bigger one uh, soon, but how much space do you have like to write things down and keep up with paperwork and things when you need to do non-computer stuff? Because I found that's the big issue for me is finding enough really counter space to do other stuff that I can get the technology, but whenever I have to have stuff to write on or take notes or just anything really quick or you know, even just store stuff that I run out because my desks aren't uh, deep enough or wide enough to accommodate the stuff that I want or need. Um, I usually have a little bit of space off to one side or another, but I do so much digitally. I know you do more physically than I do um, for like your writing and note taking and stuff, but I've moved so digital focused that it's never really been an issue. Um, And then I have storage right nearby. So I have like a couple other office, uh, you know, kind of cabinet set up, not not anything official, not like office-y, but just like an Ikea thing over there that works as like an office storage thing and cabinet. And my desk off of the side of it, I have a couple shelves on it, too, that are built into the desk. Yeah. So all of that together is like plenty. Yeah, that would be. I could see that. Yeah. So, yeah, the desk has a couple. I mean, that's kind of the storage stuff around me. Right. Um, And then the other things like on my desk, I have multiple headphones, which I know I've talked about before, switching between headphones for different purposes. I'm the weird one there. Not all of you, but that's okay. I I know that about myself and I'm fine with it. Um, And then I have a blue Yeti microphone, which has been basically for like podcasting but also um i still do a little bit of video production work so sometimes to record something on that and then lately it's been for like conference calls just because everybody's on zoom or google hangouts or microsoft teams or whatever because of the way of the world lately mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the and it's a good mic that's the thing the the blue yeti gets a lot of uh, gets crapped on a lot in different podcasting forums because it is an entry-level mic but it works and it's high quality like y'all have listened to this and have talked to us we've gotten a lot of reviews and feedback from people about the quality of the sound and it's through the blue yeti there's no sense in having to pay for uh, an absurd pay an absurd price to get hardware when you don't need it no blue yeti is fantastic if you're going for like a microphone that goes in via usb i mean the the thing is if i would step up from this i wouldn't use a usb mic because 
right. I know audio because I did production for so long. I would move over to an XLR, which means I need a breakout box, which means I need a bunch of other things. And I just haven't wanted to invest in that because this one is fine and I like it. Um, exactly. It's, it's a really solid mic. And, you know, but beyond that, I have soundproofing foam a little bit. I'm not like completely surrounded by it. I'm not in an audio booth or anything, but I have like uh, two rows of panels in front of me behind all my monitors behind my desk. And then I have like one row of panels kind of behind me. And it's because my desk is in kind of this corner alcove in the room that I'm in. So if I don't do this, the sound bounces around around a lot but if i just did a little bit like this it's more than enough to make the sound be live enough but also dead enough which is audio terminology you guys don't have to worry about um but yeah it's been a a good setup for me and then um you know i have odds and ends within reach like i said there's a couple drawers to file things around i have some geeky toys on my desk which whatever but i would say the other thing that's super key and again right like laptop making sure that's at the right height for you monitor stands those are key things the other thing is your chair because you want back support and you might not realize how important it is until two or three months down the line where you're working from home (laughs) and you're like, why is my back and my shoulders and my neck just destroying me? It's because your chair doesn't have back support. Yeah, that's exactly right. You are 100% on that. And that is literally what happened to me, that I'd been using a chair for a very long time that was just an office chair that I'd used for years on top of it not having specific back support. It was also something that had been worn out over the years. Uh, It's what I'd played WoW in. It's what I did all of my PC gaming in, everything in this chair. But when I started working in it day after day, my back started hurting that I couldn't figure out exactly what it was until I saw some stuff online. I was like, oh, I don't have anything supporting my lower back right now. And I had to get a new chair and it made all the difference in the world. Yep. And there's a huge difference between having one that you sit in occasionally or that you game in at night versus one that you're working in all day every day which is what you just said that that's important to note because i've had that same situation where a chair works fine for me for a long time but then if you're going to work from home and sit in it every day it's a completely different game that you're playing at that point and it's a completely different position that you're in that chair is why that's the case it was like i find myself in sitting in completely different spaces even in the same chair than when i'm gaming or when I'm working or podcasting. It's like when I'm podcasting, I'm working. I'm actually sitting in the chair right now, sitting up with my legs crossed in the seat where I don't do that when I'm gaming. I'll be lounged back a lot more and it just changes the way that you're using the chair. And you don't realize that until you've done it day in and day out for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you run into that situation, there's two things you can do. One's obvious, buy a new chair, right? Um, If you can do that, if you can afford it, if you can find the right chair and make it work for you. So the one that I have that I really like, and I've had this downstairs on like my casual computer, my gaming rig, my server, like my main like play computer for home for a long time. And I finally just had to buy another one because I've been working from home for the last like month and a half now. and I got the same one that I had downstairs because I love it. It has built-in back support. Um, it ha- It's just kind of like mesh. It's not like overdone or leather or anything fancy, but the mesh is like, you know, you don't get sweaty. It's like cooling enough. And then the other thing I love about this chair is that the arms fold up and down because a lot of the times I want a chair without arms on it so I can move around a little bit without hitting the desk. Um, and then sometimes you want arms. So you can like sit back and have like arm support and like look at something for a while. So the yeah. fact that these arms can flip up and down is amazing. I love this chair. And for me, it's not that the arms flip, it's that they move up and down. 
where I can completely get rid of them for the most part, where I oh, don't yeah. even, That's what I like, meant. there's no way I can reach them. But, uh, but I was thinking like airline seats when you said flip up and down, the ones that like are on the uh, lever pivot where it's just, they completely line up uh, 90 degrees with the back of the chair versus, oh, uh, yeah, they like, do. So that's what I'm talking okay. about. Mine just raise up and down just completely vertically the uh, perpendicular to the back of the chair. Just oh, okay. uh, up and down perpendicular with the floor. And that's all that I need personally because I don't care about not having them at all. It's just that sometimes I don't need them directly under my arms. Got it. Yeah, I like the ones that actually flip away so that you you can basically have a chair with arms or without arms. And it's super easy. You just rotate them up or down right um and so that's one option right you can go buy a new chair that you like or that looks more ergonomic or whatever um it's tricky like finding the right chair for you is a really hard process the other thing is if you have one that mostly works for you but suddenly it's not because you're in it all day every day just go buy a back support pillow they sell Mm -hmm. ones for office chairs and i've done that before and they tend to work really well like it'll solve 80 to 90 percent of your problems with it maybe not 100 percent, but it'll get you most of the way there and it's really odd how i thought that a really soft chair is what i needed but it's not necessarily what i needed after i got a new chair like i was i ended up not getting a super plush chair because they end up wearing out so quickly so i got one that when i'd read reviews that wouldn't wear out quickly but also would stand up to uh actually you know not make me hurt from sitting on wood or something like that a hard surface yeah so those are kind of like the main points we wanted to hit and that was through the context of my setup um but beyond that like you should run through actually like what you use because we i know that people have asked both of us for our exact setup and what we use so what's your day-to-day look like so my day-to-day is i'm on an l desk um well it's a it's a hodgepodge of an of an l desk i have a folding table that needs to get upgraded very badly to my right and then the one i sit or to my left rather excuse me because i'm left-handed so everything tends to be on the left and then I'm facing forward on a uh, Windows PC. The MacBook that I'm on right now facing uh, off to the left, I have the 15-inch MacBook Pro uh, in the center of the desk, a uh, webcam on a, on top of a couple of shoeboxes above me that I use for my streams for work, and then a 27-inch monitor to the right hooked into my laptop. Um, I use both of these basically uh, as my secondary computer, uh, and then the main one I use is actually a Windows desktop uh, that has two 27-inch monitors on it as the main part of the L. Um, it's mainly because I have a keyboard and mouse hooked up to it because of space Base issues that I use it more often than the Mac. Um, no other reason than that, but um, I will sit on it, swivel back and forth as I need to, uh, keep different notifications up on different ones. But I have four monitors in front of me on and going at any given time because I don't like having a lot of window clutter. I don't like having a lot of multiple things running on the same monitor. So I may have like audacity uh running in in one monitor and uh maybe iMessage and then like just a windows browser or a a browser on the other and then i may have discord and slack up on one and that's it i might have uh snag it up on one and that's the only thing i'm doing in that one is editing video or editing images where i may be writing the article in another one but i may have all of my social stuff on my laptop over here to be able to swivel and and type into where i use them basically 
really as extensions of each other, even though they are completely like two separate machines. That's super interesting. That's probably also why you're running out of space. It is. It is. I mean, I'm. it is spaces at a premium, and I've used my monitors as a big part of that. But a lot of it's also clutter. But the tables and desks that I got are actually small. Like, they're uh, very, very small, uh, portable one way or the other. Like, it's a folding table, so it's portable. Uh, that I'm going to get a much... I have a much bigger desk, actually, that I bought to change out with this. But Jennifer started working from home, and she needed a desk. So we put it together and set up her uh, home office space as well with a much bigger uh, desk for her uh, since she you know didn't have anything but the couch and um, but yeah and I have a target desk like the one that I use mainly is a target desk and I will never do it again like <laughs> okay. I tend to I tend to just go for like yeah I just need this and it's it looked exactly like what I had had in mind and I hate it like it's just I don't like the desk at all I don't like the drawer I'm just not a fan and it's just a straight up like computer desk flat no frills nothing on top just one drawer thought it was going to be what I wanted absolutely not but um, it is absolutely like the setup that I need is an L-shaped desk for all of the the way that I found that I work because if I don't have all of this around me I get cluttered and overwhelmed in terms of just the space on my computer you know I don't know if it makes sense but I have too much going on on a monitor I end up losing things so I tend to keep it spread out like this well, as long as it works for you. I mean, that's always the key, right? Is finding what works for you. Yep. And it took a long time because I thought that I could work from the couch for a while just on my laptop. And that was not the case. Even though I love the MacBook being able to switch between desktops, like I use like three or four different desktops. Like I'll keep just Photoshop on one desktop, swipe with four fingers, get to snag it or something like that and get to a browser. Uh, but I thought I could do that solely. And it was not the case at all for me. I had to come and get a, a designated space where I could see everything all at once. That makes sense. And then because of that, like my chair, like I'd mentioned, I used that office chair, but I ended up getting one of the gaming chairs, like one of the cheap ripoffs of the DX racer kind uh, with the the blue and black stripey thing in the back with the headrest and all of it. Uh, but it also has a footrest to the back support pillow and everything is adjustable. Like I can lean up and down, uh, wrote like... Uh, not rotate it, but uh, angle it up and down, use the back and everything, but it has a footrest on it, which is amazing. Like just being able to do everything. I love this chair. That's really that, cool. Uh, it was about a hundred bucks. I mean, most office chairs, you're going to spend money on office chairs and this is one of the cheapest ones I could find, but it also works really well for what I need. Uh, the microphone, I actually ended up upgrading from the Yeti blue, the blue Yeti um, because of work. Um, I would still be using it, but work wanted me to use the Rode Procaster mic. Uh, they sent that a uh, stabilizing arm, uh, boom arm with the stabilizer on it where the mic doesn't uh, jostle when other things do, um, and a Scarlet 2i2 uh, USB hub because this is a, uh, I don't even know the term for it, it's an actual mic plug yeah, that you have XLR. to use into it. XLR. Yeah. So the mic is XLR, but the hub it goes into is USB. And... Um, then I have the Logitech uh, C22 webcam above me, which I'd rather have a camera that had depth of field in it and had you were able to adjust the aperture because webcams you can't. Uh, but that's a cost I just haven't wanted to spend because it's not necessary. It's just something I want that would make everything look a little nicer. Yeah, that makes um, sense. 
but I like it. It works for my streams. Like I said, I'll eventually upgrade, but you know, to, to pay the three to $600 just to get the one thing hasn't been something that I've needed to do. So I haven't wanted to, um, and then my, I'm the opposite of you in terms of headphones. <laughs> I have an, some sort of old janky off-brand headset that I only use for listening on podcasts and uh, meetings when I have to, uh, when I need headphones on. Like, I don't use it for anything else. I use, because I work home alone usually, I just keep the speakers on. I don't worry about headphones. I don't need them. So I have this, you know, janky old headset where the uh, the padding on the ears is starting to fray. And I'm just like, yeah, I can hear in them. It's fine. I don't need noise canceling stuff, so I don't have to because I'm not in an office space and I live in a uh, residential neighborhood instead of anywhere near uh, bustling traffic or construction or anything. So there's not a whole lot of uh, just ambient noise. So they work fine for me. Yeah, I'm, part of the thing that's interesting for me is I barely have any speakers anywhere in my house just because like mm. with four people living under the same roof and all of us are doing we're streaming, we're listening to music where I'm listening to podcasts while my kids are watching videos, while my wife is watching something on YouTube, like the modern technology where everybody has a phone or an iPad within reach at all times. Um, if none of us had headphones, we would drive each other insane. So mm. that's part of it is like really I don't even have external speakers hooked up to my main TV. And that's probably the only device in my house that regularly is like outputting audio into a public space because everything else, my family's using wired or wireless headphones in one way or another, just to give each other like kind of our own space and our own whatever we're consuming. I could see that because with it being just me and Jennifer, we don't actually worry about headphones with each other or anything. It's like she'll be on the couch. We may have the TV on and watching it or something. If she starts a video or I start a video, we just keep the volume like slightly down, but we'll just blast it in the in the air. Like we tend to be on the phone on speakerphone because it's just the two of us. And it doesn't really bother the other. Uh, if we had, you know, two kids on their own devices as well as my stuff and her stuff, that's a completely different story uh, where it, it's really competing at noise pollution at that point instead of just kind of existing like ours is. Yeah, exactly. So we don't actually find a lot of headphones around here. Uh, they're main, they're mainly used for exercise. Honestly, the uh, headphones that we have are earbuds and uh, different things like Bose Sound Sport uh, headphones. And like I have some Aftershocks, uh, Trek and uh, 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 Beats, Power Beats, three uh, wireless ones, but they're all for running. I never hook them up for just daily use. Yeah. And for me, I... I'm ridiculous with when I switch headphones. I have, I think, four headphones within reach of where I'm sitting right now. And then if I think about my downstairs setup, I have another one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So I have like nine different pairs that I use regularly enough. And that's without even counting anybody else in my family. Wow. That's I don't own that many headphones. <laughs> there aren't that many pairs of headphones in our house. Yeah, that's. And it's just a different way of doing things. But like I said, working from home, I can generally just keep these old speakers. These are like 25-year-old speakers for my computer. Like, I've been using these since before college. Like, it is... These speakers that I have on my desktop have been through some stuff. And uh, they're... They work. It's one of those things like I'm not an audio guy. I don't tell the difference between OK audio and good audio. I can or like sometimes I can hear great audio, the difference between good and great. But it's like eh, it's sound. So 
I don't mind having these janky everything for audio on. The funny thing is, I'm not even like an audiophile. Like, I'm not somebody who obsesses over the difference between like good and like great or perfect audio. But I definitely hear right. a difference between bad and good because, again, production background, like, I can't help it. Um, but as long as it's good enough, like, I don't really care. I don't obsess over it. I just like different headphones for different uses. So I do it. Now, that's yeah. true. That's true. I do hear between bad and good uh, because I uh, got some when I was in Spain at a on a work retreat, like they gave us these earbuds for one of the tours that we did. And I could hear the garbage <laughs> like it was I could hear the sound artifacts in them and the tinniness and what they didn't have. And it was like, oh, man, I guess I can tell the difference in, the, in bad. Uh, but once it you know is not bad, it's like, OK, it's sound. Yeah. So. Uh, I also have an armchair behind me. Like I went out and I think we got it on either Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. I found this perfect like green fluffy armchair that I wanted in my office to be able to curl up on, read a book or work on my laptop. And I do not like doing that at all. It has become a shelf for things and I want to get rid of it so that I can either put uh, decoration there, more storage or something because it was one of those things that we moved in early on when I thought that was how I was going to work and it turned out that it didn't and it's one of those relics of the before time uh, before I settled into what a work from home office needed to be, what stuff I needed. It's one of the ones that I thought I needed but don't. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Replace it with it's, some kind of shelf and you'll be happier. Yeah, I'm going to like I want to get some sort of shelf or maybe even some like retro lockers or something over there that would look cool. Uh, just something that's not this ugly and it's not even ugly. It's ugly now that it's piled up with. I see right now uh, one, two, three, four, five hoodies. Uh Three pairs of underwear. They're clean. Uh, <laughs> a pair of shorts, pair of jeans, a body pillow, a Kingdom Hearts 3 uh, only at GameStop box, Spider Gwen plushie, uh, running socks, and a Sabine doll and a blanket uh, and, a, and a journal on there. Uh, so it is a garbage pile that I thought I was going to use that I don't. Yeah, and that so, happens sometimes. Sometimes you try something with a setup, and then you're like, "Well, I never actually use that. Time to redo it." Yep, and I, I like I said, I always think that I'm going to do something with it. And I'm like, "Oh, I could, you know, I actually need to start using this. So I'll clean it off, and then it just gets piled up again with, you know, all of what I just listed." Yeah, for so. sure. Well, okay, so that's kind of our setups. Um, if you guys have any other questions, because we know a bunch of you actually asked about this, so we were trying to be as specific without droning on for too long about this. Um, but if you have more questions, hit us up on any of the places on Twitter, you know, Slack, Discord, all of our places you can reach us. Um, of course, you guys can support the podcast at patreon.com slash geek to geekcast And we're part of a podcast network. We're part of a media network, really. I mean, we have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all of that and more at geek to geekmediacom or go to geek to geekmediacom slash subscribe and get it sent right to you. Um, so beyond that, what have you been doing for Geekery this week? Still mostly Animal Crossing. That's okay. Uh, Jennifer and I are playing a lot of it uh, just in our spare time. We're playing it with Riley and uh, my sis my nephew and uh, my sister-in-law, uh, which is really great that she got into it as much as she has. Like My sister-in-law really got into this game, and it really surprises me, and it makes me happy. Um, I'm really thinking about getting my mother-in-law a Switch and Animal Crossing for Mother's Day. 
we're looking we're still looking like it's impossible to find a a retail full switch right now it is they're very hard to find they haven't been uh price gouged and so we're thinking about this because yesterday we were talking to her about animal crossing on the phone and uh she started talking about a mobile game that she plays called township Uh, she's been playing for about five years of building her town the co-op that she's in talking with people like she's a leader in this co-op that we had no idea about on this game uh this mobile game that she's been playing talk about how pretty her town is that she loves it like other people just throw stuff around and that she places hers and is really proud of it. And we're like, you would love Animal Crossing. Like, this is your yeah. kind of game. And so we're really thinking about doing that for uh, Mother's Day. Um, and I found that I like this kind of game a lot, too. So I started playing Stardew Valley again. I downloaded it on Switch. Um, I just don't think I like it. I... I don't like the UI. I'm just not a big fan of the way that it plays. And so I'm, it's okay. It's just not one of them that, uh, that clicks with me, but I did, uh, end up getting my time at Porsche on switch after all. And I'm liking it. Like I do actually want to play through it more. Like it's more along my, my line of, of games. And then there's a demo of Dorymon story of seasons. Um, I don't even know that one. Okay, so Story of Seasons is actually Harvest Moon. Um, Harvest Moon, oh, the... Yep. Okay, no, I'm remembering. I didn't know the Doraemon, but Story of Seasons is familiar because Harvest Moon is in a really weird spot at the moment. Yes, it is. Like a few years ago, the American publishers uh, lost the name to Harvest Moon, and the people who own it started putting out a series called Harvest Moon, but they're not actually Harvest Moon. And so the Story of Seasons games are done exactly like the Harvest Moon games. They are uh, by the same people and everything. Uh, they're they're just a different name in America, and they are not the different name in Japan. It's just in America that this happens, or English-speaking countries. And so it's really weird, but there's a Doraemon tie-in uh, that is... Uh, on switch and there's a demo for it that's really weird but it's really neat i don't know it's a beautiful game like that's one thing like i may continue playing this game i might get it not because it's like these life sims that i'm liking right now but because the game is has like watercolor painted backgrounds and the animation is just gorgeous like it's one of the prettiest switch games i've seen Cool. That you should you should look into it and download the demo just to see the uh, the backgrounds and how they did the uh, the the graphics on it because it looks like you're walking around on a watercolor painting with the uh, even the edges and it looks textured like watercolor paper. It's really cool. Like they did a great job with the uh, visuals on that game. That's awesome. I'm glad that you found more that you're interested in and that you're liking, even if Stardew wasn't one but at least like yeah you, you kind of have almost a new genre or like subgenre of game that you've realized that you like and now you can explore it i can explore it yeah that's the thing it's like i'm trying not to go like all in on trying to play these but it's like i want to explore because there are so many games that i don't know about that i've found that maybe i like this kind of mechanic so uh i want to explore and see what is out there for them so i'm playing demos that kind of thing a bunch totally. and then my nephew wanted me to start pokemon sword so i finally started pokemon sword this week uh we've been playing together the the link trading on it is awful did you ever try to trade with someone specific on there i've heard horror stories i haven't tried to do it but i've heard bad things we couldn't figure it out 
it's like I we we just couldn't figure out how to line up and trade with each other. So uh, it, it it stinks because we want to, and he's got Pokemon that he wants to give me, and I'm like, yeah, I want them, and we can't until we're local and can actually just link up uh, locally. Uh, but it's a it's a fun game. I like it, but I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. Like I think I like Ultra Sun and the old one, and even Let's Go Pikachu a little bit better so far. Um, I, I do too. The pacing in Sword and Shield just didn't. I mean, I didn't beat it right and like i did you not i thought you did no i try every pokemon game but i tend to bounce off about 50 percent of them and it's not even like every other it's not that i just get sick of it and i need more time um it's really just like which games grab me and which ones don't so like um i played you know x and y i beat and then i liked uh sun and moon um i beat that one too but this one's just like not doing it for me for whatever reason yeah, and I like the mechanics. I like the the whole wild area and stuff like that that it's got going on. But I think part of what makes me not want to play this game is the is the rival Hop is so annoying that it's like I cannot stand this character that they're making me traverse the uh, the world with. And I'm just like, man, just go away. Just don't. Just let me do my own thing. Let me get my Pokemon. And uh, Let's Go actually spoiled me on being able to catch Pokemon. Like, this one's really annoying on having to, to knock them down again. It's the traditional way of catching. And I'm just like, man, give me the casual way. That's that's more fun. I kind of think I like it better, too. Like, yeah, I maybe I should go back and play more of Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu, because that game's really good. It's really good. Like, I honestly think that uh, Let's Go Pikachu is my favorite Pokemon game. Uh, and it's not even, I mean, I've heard a lot of, of people who are like real Pokemon fans dislike it for a number of reasons. But as someone who's casual to the series, like especially now that Sword is out and I can compare like Switch versions, I think that the Pokemon uh, Let's Go games are a better fit for this console. Yeah, I, I think they might be too. I mean, I could argue it both ways, but I like those yeah, games I, a lot. Yeah, I could absolutely see it both ways. But yeah. but for me, the way that I play, I like the uh, Let's Go, I think, a little bit better. But we'll see how far I get into this one. But we'll we'll see. It's fun so far. Cool. Um, yeah, for me this week, uh, I tried a new card game, Fox in the Forest Duet, which I okay. you tried Fox in the Forest, right? Yeah, we've got it. We really, really like it. Okay, so we like that one, too, a lot. And Fox in the Forest duet just came out in the last couple months. Um, I don't know the exact release date, but it's pretty new. And it's the same idea except co-op instead of competitive against each other. And it's really fun. It has a different feel to it, but a lot of the core is still there. So it's still a trick-taking game. It's still two-player only. Um, And it still has, like, three suits of cards. Each of them have, like, different ones that have different powers on it. You know, and some hmm. of them are just numbers. Yeah. Some of them have powers that like affect what happens during the trick. Um, but you're working together on you have this little like mini map, this mini board, and there's like a path that goes down it. And so there are these gems along the path. And your goal as a team is to land on every like spot to pick up every gem. Um, and But you don't want to fall off either end of the path. So you don't want to go too far one way or another. And there's more to it. There's a little bit more intricacy to the actual like moving along the path and how you pick up stuff. But that's the basics of it. Um, it's really fun because you're not allowed to tell the other person what cards you have in your hand. And that's kind of where like the core rub of the game comes because you could be like, okay, let's try to move towards me because this gem looks really good. And then you put down your card and hope that like they understand what you're trying to do, but you're not allowed to say, I have the whatever of whatever in my hand. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, that's really cool. Like you say that, and I'm, I've pulled it up so I can just buy it whenever we're done recording this. <laughs> like that's because that's the one that we actually keep in the living room on the TV stand for when we want to play something like that and interact like directly with one another, uh, but still like like play a game, not just have to you know not sitting and talking like we do, but actually like play a game and interact. That's exactly the kind of thing that we love. And so Fox in the forest hits it. So this duet, like a new game for it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's super fun. It's really good. So I highly recommend it. If you're into any kind of card game, trick taking game, two player game, all those are great fit. Um, And then I also beat Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I know I talked Mm -hmm. about the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to spoil anything near the end here, but I will say I finished it. It was really good. Um, I liked it. I am cautiously optimistic about what they did with the ending and what that means for the next game in this series. I talked to you about this a bunch over text message, but I'm not going to do it here on the podcast because I'm trying to be nice to people for spoilers. Um, (laughs) The one thing I will say is that um, I don't do a whole lot of platinuming stuff on PlayStation and but for Final Fantasy, I always consider it like Final Fantasy 15 is one of the few Platinums I have on the system. Um, yep. So I beat this game and I immediately went and I looked at the trophies and what I would need to do to get a Platinum. because I was like, maybe I'll explore this. And ultimately, what I landed on is that my first playthrough of the Final Fantasy 7 remake was really good. It was fantastic. But there's probably too much padding and filler and like slower pacing in here for me to do a replay of it, which I would absolutely have to do. And Mm. it's because there's a lot of really good like character development moments where they force you into walking slowly as characters are talking. And it's great the first time through, but I wouldn't want to sit through that again on a second playthrough. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like that's one of those uh, things like I don't want to play through Final Fantasy 15 again, that as much as I loved the story and the way that they told it, I have a feeling like that kind of thing would be very tedious the second time through. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like padding. It doesn't feel like filler the first time through. But as I was considering a second playthrough, I was like, ooh, actually, yeah. And some of the dungeons are probably a little too long, and they don't need to be. But again, none of it bothered me in my first playthrough. I don't want to detract from that. I thought it was a really good game. It was fantastic the first time through it. I just don't think it's one that I want to replay. Um, I'll just wait for the next part of the remake series to come out, and I'll take it from there. So yeah, Final Fantasy VII was good. The other thing is I'm kind of out of new video games. So I was looking at my backlog, which I rarely ever actually get around to. But in this year of pandemic, here we are. Like there's finally time to get into the backlog. And Hitman 2 is a game that I absolutely loved and did not have enough time for when it came out. Um, And I know I retroactively like gave it my game of the year in one of the years because I was making up for the fact that I missed the year that Hitman actually came out, like the newer one. Um, But for Hitman 2 specifically, I think I only played through each level like one time and then something else came up and I never got back to it. And the way to actually have fun with Hitman and like really enjoy that game is to play the same level over and over and over, which is not something I typically do in games. But the appealing thing is that there's all these objectives and all of these like, can you do this feat? Can you do this kind of assassination? Can you discover this new thing about it? Can you make this really odd circumstance of things all happen at the same time in a perfect way? And that is what's fun for me because it's systems and it's it's loops of characters within those systems and you get to act on them and mess them up and then do interesting things with it. And so I still absolutely love like the the new Hitman and the new Hitman 2 where I think I have to say that because if you actually look up Hitman, there's a game that came out in what the, the PS2 era for the first one a long time ago. So. I'm thinking yeah. so because I'm remembering it in college. So that would be Xbox and PS2. 
Yeah, so I think Hitman was technically like 2016, maybe 2017, and then Hitman 2 was probably 2018-ish. Right. Um, and so I got back to Hitman 2 this week, and I started playing it um, the way where you really dig into it. So I played the Night Call, which is like the beach level. It's essentially the tutorial level. I played that for mm, probably 10 hours, maybe 12 hours. Oh, wow. Just playing it over and over, and I got like almost every single achievement on it um there's a set of classic achievements that i just don't find that interesting and so i skip those but i did literally everything else so all of the feats all the assassinations all of the um you know things here and there and it just makes you play the game in different ways um so one of them that was super fun was there's this like shinobi line of them where it's like five challenges and you have to go find like the samurai sword and the shuriken shurikens mm-hmm um sure ninja stars yeah and and you use those and you have to also be like silent and never caught and you do a bunch of challenges with that that was so fun i love that it was fantastic um so yeah i i've kind of like a hundred percented the beach intro level to my satisfaction and it took me a good 12 hours to do that but it was so fun the entire time i was doing it and that's what matters like you've played it and now you've gotten what you want out of it do you think you're going to go back and do that with other with other levels now yeah i absolutely am so i started digging into miami which is the first like main real level of the game and i don't know if that's the next one i'm gonna dig deep on but i'm starting with it because i have a good memory of it and i kind of like that level um but the other thing is that there's an expansion pass that came out that adds like two or three new levels to the game that i've never even experienced so maybe i'll jump ahead and try those out instead so i don't know i don't know the next level that i'm gonna choose to really dig deep but i want to pick one of the main ones because they're so much more complicated and then just probably pour like 20 or 30 hours into that one level yeah even just the first episode of the first hitman of of this series of the first hitman here that i played the the difference in the intro level on the boat and paris was insane that just how much more complicated and expansive the the level got so i can't even imagine just beach versus miami in this one yeah, and in the original Hitman, not original, but in the first Hitman in this series, um, I, I 100%ed that boat level, the tutorial that you're talking about, and then yep. I played through all of the other levels, and then I went back and I replayed Paris until I had like everything done there. And that was a level that I put probably 30 or 40 hours into, just like knowing absolutely everything about it, because that was a fantastic level too. But it's just it a is totally... super fun. It's just a totally different way of interacting with a game, right? Because you can play through each level one time in this Hitman series, and the whole game will take you maybe six to eight hours, maybe. Um, but that's like that's not what it's set up to do. It's set up to be like, wait, how do I use the fish tank to take out one of the targets? Like, how do you even do that? Like, and it just gets your mind going in a super fun way. Yeah, where these are action games and they're stealth games, but in a lot of ways they're puzzle games. Like they have that puzzle foundation where you have to figure out what is what is going to like set off this series of dominoes. Yeah, it it is a systems driven puzzle game that is also like a strategy game in a way, but the way that you execute it is through action combat. So it's kind of a yeah. little bit of all these different things that I like. And it's just like, I don't even necessarily play this kind of game, but they're fun. Like, this is one where I probably wouldn't spend 20 hours on a level, but I would totally spend the 12 hours or so that it would take me to beat the game. 
yeah so they're good i can still highly recommend those but that's that's the backlog that i'm getting into at the moment so if i continue to dig in i'm sure i will have more examples to bring up in future episodes about whatever level i pick and all of the little challenges in there so i'll take some notes as i'm doing it yeah i want to hear about it especially the expansion pass levels that you haven't gotten to yet if one of those is one of the ones that you end up digging in digging into having touched them yet um that's probably it for this week guys you can write to us with comments suggestions or feedback our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek to geekcast we also have great discussions on slack discord and reddit you can go to geek to geekmedia.com for invite links and while you're there make sure you check out all the other content on the network i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter i'm also on the disney forever podcast where we watch and react to a different disney movie every week and I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast about the Dragon Quest RPGs. We've been Void Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. <laughs> <laughs>